0: Be seated. Thanks, Ms. Lamar, for sharing that song. Uh, titles, What's That You Have in Your Hands, it kind of locks into what we're talking about because um, that's what uh, what uh, God has said to Moses in Exodus 4. You know, uh, as we've been walking through Exodus 4, you know, we, we highlighted that, you know, when they got to the Red Sea, you know, you got the Red Sea, you got Pharaoh behind you, you got the Red Sea before you're like, okay, now what? So God says, now what is, what's that you have in your hand? And we talked about last week as, as what you have in your hand is what you have in your design and what you have in your heart. You know, we talked about last week also how, you know, you know the Bible says, don't, don't look around and it's, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is there, but the kingdom is within. So he's put a little bit of heaven on the inside of us. Like, he's uh, dealt to us a measure of faith. That's a little bit of heaven. He's uh, shed his love abroad in our heart. That's a little bit of heaven, you know, right? He's uh, baptized us in the Holy Spirit. That's a little bit of heaven. Um, Of course, we have the indwelling Christ uh, controlling all on the inside of us. That's a little bit of heaven, too, right? And so so, uh, I was, uh, as I was reflecting on this teaching, uh we do a, we have we do a wonderful job in the morning but we have been going through uh exodus and so as we was going through exodus 16 this morning we were talking about that manna, you know how god you know you know basically they complaining he got us out here in the wilderness we could have went back we could have been back in egypt you know eating lamb you know pork chops and you just got us out here to, to, to kill us wasn't there enough graves uh, in Egypt, you didn't get enough grades. You just brought us out here to kill us. Right. Just so we did, they were not to bury us in Egypt. Was that the goal? And, um, <clears throat> you know, God, you know, hearing uh, what the interesting thing is we talked about this this morning, you know, I'll be in the gym sometimes, or so sometimes I'll be caught between doing stuff, but, uh, it was so interesting how God responded to actually their complaining. So it wasn't just their cry, he kind of heard their complaining. And it's kind of how I think sometimes we operate, you know, when people complain, all right, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to do this for you. But when I do this for you, see, so I was going to do it for you anyway, right? And you still had the option of grace later. You complaining that I'm going to do it for you. So, so that means you're saying once you get this that you're complaining about, you're satisfied, right? You will not going to wait for me to take care of you, right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you what you're complaining about. But after I give you this, think of how we operate as humans. Oh, I don't want to hear your mouth. There is nothing. there. Where, there where, where, because this is what you said you wanted. So I'm going to give you what you want. You didn't want to wait for what I had for you because you would have had that and then something. But no, you're saying once I get this, I'm good, right? So I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what your mouth say. Now, once I give you what your mouth say, I'm not going to hear your mouth, right? Because you're getting what you're asking for, right? So we good after this, right? And, and so it's so interesting. Um, I'm working on, um, I'm working on, in Bible school, we're doing the uh, spiritual authority and then uh, uh, Trina brought up a suggestion and, and, and it's something that uh, Benicia said she was passionate about for us to do a lab. We'll just go in, we'll bring all the to, uh, uh, Bible tools. I don't know if I want to give you a- advanced information what we're going to study out, but we'll take a word, study it out and just see what everybody discovered and just walk on how to use the tools better. So we'll do that in between. But in, bet- in, in between that class... Uh, we're going to do, uh, the next class is going to be uh, the making of a leader from this book right here. Uh, I didn't bring it for this purpose, I just actually been reading it, so I got so caught up in what I was reading, I thought I was going to read it while I had, you know, I had a little time, but I, I guess ministry always keeps us busy, so I didn't do that. So, so, but, but, but as I was uh, kind of reading through the book... Uh, so I shared, I shared this with you guys this morning. Uh, I think Venetia made a comment, and I shared a uh, great comment, healthy comment. That's why we like questions. So I shared we have to, you know, and, and what I realized is we really do want to learn, and we really want to know, right? And so, so uh, un- I don't want to say unfortunately. I'm going to say fortunately, okay? Fortunately, you actually have a pastor, one of your pastors here, I think both of us is like this, you know. But I'm I'm an it's, I'm an exhaustive thinker, but I I have a pretty good rem- memory, right? Uh, that's not because I'm sweet. That's God-given. Like lo- remove God, I don't remember nothing. So sometimes when I hear stuff, people will say stuff, and so so I'm a, I'm gonna start with a leader, and then I may use some other people. So I'm gonna start with Ms. Lamar over there. So. Uh, we've been in some situations where Ms. Lamar says, Well, didn't nobody tell me? And so now I walked him through at one time, remember it was a. Uh, he was like, Well, I, I never got a position description. So I went back, found it, found when I sent it and everything. I said, now this was what I sent to you, right? And but but he wasn't trying to really get nobody a hard time. He really didn't remember, right? Legitimately, right? Um, and so so we had a couple of situations this week where you didn't remember some stuff, right? And so, but you wasn't being facetious either. You was like, oh, it'd be great if we could do this. You know, it's like your kids coming home and like, you know, it'd be great if, you know, if one day we could have mac and cheese. You'd be like... <laughs> So was this a special type of mac and cheese? Cause I know I gave you some mac and cheese, you know. So is it is, you just don't like my mac and cheese? Well say it would be good if we could have mac and cheese like that would be cool, right? And so so what I realized is people are actually meaning well, so so we offered an intangible this morning. And one of the intangibles was what I do. So if, if David says something, if if Cinnamon says something, Vanessa says something, I'm like, ooh, that's good. I need to add that into my repertoire or make that a new habit. Pastor Mel was talking about, uh, uh, we both used to do it a long time ago, blessing journals, how writing the blessings of God, no matter what, get your parking space, whatever the case may be. Um, But just writing, uh, like we had to move some furniture yesterday. So we moved the furniture and we had bought bikes that we have not used. We had them a year. right? Got them a good deal, had them a year. And what happens is I took the bike to the to Lake Norman, to ride it up and up the hills. Got on the bike, it's flat. Like, so I so took it to a shop, got air in a tire, got back, took the bike back up to the hills, got on the bike, it's flat. Um, so my wife went out and talked to the guy, and he says, well, bring the bikes back, we'll put in the tubes in them, you'll be good to go. So, so we, it was two trips to, for the bikes. Well, we bring the furniture here to the church, taking the U-Haul back, the guy calls and says, the bikes are ready. Can't make this stuff up. Like, we got a U-Haul. Good. We get both bikes at the same time. That might be simple, but that's God, you know. That's God. And he's trying to look out for uh, my wonderful wife over there. She just gets what she wants, you know. So all that's moving yesterday was her, God looking out for her. But, but, but I, I said that to say when she mentioned it, that day I had to do something so I could trigger and activate that into a part of my, my, my default. So I wouldn't forget it. So in my journal time, uh, this, this is what I used to do before. The front of my journal would be what I'm talking with the Holy Spirit about on a daily basis. The back of my journal would be the blessings of God. And so you, I would always go back to front and they would just meet and then I would grab another journal. So I started on the back of the journal because I didn't want to just, it's something we talked about and then it come up again like, you know, I might need to do a blessing journal. My wife was like, I already brought that up. Like, <laughs> you know, you understand what I'm saying? So, just we talked about how do something. Put it in your phone to send you a message to do something. You know, so let's say if you say, I need to read two chapters a day, put it in your phone. Even if you don't do it right away, it's going to keep reminding you. And one of those days, it's going to hit you where you're going to do it. We'll be driving, baby. Send me a text. So, I know. I have a system for text messages. I don't touch them until I can get to them that way they're still blue or whatever they are. Well, why? I tell y'all to send me texts. So it's not something I'm hearing. I go, okay, no problem, I got you. If I tell you that, you say, no, I'm gonna send you a text. <laughs> because in that moment, I got so much stuff going on, I might not remember it, but it's that important to me, right? And, and so when I was thinking through this, like this whole process here, God saying, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm reading through the book and the book, uh, actually talking about leadership, obviously, uh, the test of ministry that I teach on is in this book. So this is going to be a wonderful class when we get into Bible school, but it was just talking about how things are structurally set up leadership wise in the culture. Uh, you know, they, they, they've called people clergy. Y'all probably don't know, uh, professional, like is, would somebody call you a professional because of business? That didn't start in business. That started in church. They started calling clergy professionals and, well, clergy's a profession, which now you have to be professional. So people that had businesses started to take the practices that the professional church folk was doing. But it never really was. It was supposed to be ministry, but they shifted it into profession. Well, that with that in mind, uh, the thought was if you got paid. Okay, so in other words, if if so, I'm a pastor. You got ministers. So somebody we got five, five. Uh, contracted part-time people. Is it five? It's so one, two, three four, five, right? Include me, not, not include me you. All right, so, so the thought is, all right, y'all do all the work. And then when you become full-time, then you, you double up on all the work you do. Everybody else could just chill. Well, actually, the way things were growing up in church, uh, those people did work, but everybody does the work of the ministry. And no one's ordained unless they're already operating in ministry, serving in ministry. This culture has been ordained me, then I do ministry. No, but people are ordained for what they're already doing. People are hired for what they were already doing. And so what happened in the culture, things shifted to, uh, if you pay me, I'll do it. So people decided to become a ministry for money. That's why people are taking pe- per, uh, people's money in church. Why? Because they signed on for what? For the incentive. No incentive, they ain't going to do nothing. Why? So I'm saying this for a reason. And so God trains us. What I was, with how I connected it to this morning, I said, we got to stop. Everything has to be formalized for it to be happening. You know, we're going to do outreach when we get together and all go to the mall. No, we do outreach every day. We're going to go minister to the community. Everybody that's in our neighborhood is the community. We're the community. So we're reaching out to the people around us. We're ministering to the community before we go do a collective outreach. You see what I'm saying? But it ain't outreach unless somebody says it's, it's an outreach initiative. You see what I'm saying? Like now... So it's not a Bible study unless we call it an official Bible study. It's not ministry unless I have an official title. But honestly, people are vetted when they don't have the title. Now you know what they do. I said that to say that's why we flow the way we do. We see how people operate without incentive. Because God, the God is saying, you're doing it because you love me. Not because I gave you incentive. Some people are only doing things for people if there's some incentive. So they're not gonna operate on what they got in their hand. They're waiting for somebody to put something in their hand before they do something. Right? You see I me? Mean? And not people are not being evil. Everybody's being trained that way. What's in it for me? Now, some people are saying it on the outside, some people are saying it on the inside. If it ain't got nothing to do with me, it's not important. That's why we're, we're so uh, thoughtless because our thoughts only kick in when it involves ourselves, right? Outside of that, we, we, we move we moving like we move and then, oh yeah, that's right, right? But I guarantee if the pastors operate like that, boy, you guys would be you, social media all day. What's wrong with pastors today is They're thoughtless. They only think about themselves, right? We'd be getting all types of little hints and stuff like that, right? We can't roll like that, right? We don't roll like that. All right, so good. I just, I wanted to throw that in there for whatever reason somebody need to hear it. So, and and that was from the standpoint of he told him, I'm going to give you what you are asking for. And your thought may be, but they was complaining. He was like, okay, now you have no excuse. You're getting what you asked for. Beg for the relationship. Get the relationship, and then go to God and complain about it. God's like, what you complaining for? You got what you wanted, right? Why are you complaining about the job? Didn't you beg me for that job? You didn't ask me, was that the job? You said you had to have that job. If I got that job, everything will be all right. I know I need that job. I can't believe God won't give me this job. Don't you love me? Okay, you got the job now. And then we'll forget all that complaining that we did and begging, right, and, and, and manipulating to get the job, right? All right. So, let's, let's go back to this manna. So, it says, it, it told him in uh, Exodus 16, 19, and 20. You remember, he says, okay, now, you're going to have manna. Gather what you need for the day. Man, go eat good. Eat good, okay? He said, okay, but that's it. Don't save nothing for tomorrow. And so when, when, when uh, so some people just didn't listen, right? They're going to save stuff for tomorrow. Why don't people save stuff for tomorrow and somebody says, use it all today? Would you say scared? Would you say? They don't believe they're, getting they're going to believe they're getting any more, right? So they don't trust the person that gave Had Have they ever had manna before? No. Manna came from who? Yeah. Did they do anything to produce the manna? Did they plant the manna? Harvest for the manna, nothing, Nothing, right? They didn't even buy the manna, did they? So the person that's giving you the manna is giving you the rules for the manna, right? And then they decide what? Nah, I don't trust the person that gave me something I never seen before, never had before. And so they tried to save stuff, but they didn't understand the principle about manna. Oh, what is manna? What is this, right? The principle for what is this is manna today is not nourishment for tomorrow. That's why the Bible says give us this day our daily bread. That's, that's why we pray that prayer, right? So it's, it's, it's believe for. That's how we operate in believing for. So as soon as we store it, we sever our trust and dependence on God. Soon as we store it, soon as God gives us something and we choke. Now, we will believe in God for it we get it, God's saying, give me the seed. We try to hold on just in case, this would be my only blessing I'll ever have. Soon as we do that, in that moment we're saying, this is all you could have possibly ever given me, I don't trust that you'll give me forward, so I'm not gonna give forward. I'm gonna protect myself, right? That's dangerous. So God is saying this, he's saying, It's in your hand, right? So when he says in your hand, he's saying, I've given you what you needed, and I've given you what to give forward to make sure you can keep it going. So I've given you the seed, right? And and it's on the inside. So he's saying, what's that you have in your hand? So Moses is, is making a request. God already gave him what he needed, even though what he had didn't look like it could help. Well, can't help in his hand. Did you get that, so it's in his hand, okay, so so I just this is gonna be my ride for right now, okay? It's my phone, I know' it's just work work with me here. okay, that probably don't even look right. All right,' let's pass this is anointed mic right here. I'll just use this one <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll try to get through the service, all right? All right, so, <coughs> actually, this is, this is perfect. Ooh, this is so perfect. Thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful. All right, so, so, so I'm just, I'm, I'm switching this up here. So, this right here in my hand, right? In my hand, it probably can help. Give this to God. This whole atmosphere can change. So you know how you show up before you sing and you're all nervous and stuff like that? Where? how's it going to be? What's going to happen? Am, am I going to remember the words? You know, like, you know, like, you know, is, is it just going to be me and everybody looking at me like, they selected you to sing this song? What was they thinking? You know, you, you, you all in you, because you're looking at what you got in your hand. <laughs> Not knowing that if you give what's in your hand to God, you got more than what you need. All right, you got me so far? Thank you for passing on some of the in here. This service should go real well now. All right, All right so, so, so God is saying it's in your hand. He didn't ask Moses... What's that you have in your convenience or your comfort? I see He didn't say, hey, what's that you have in your convenience or your comfort? He said, what's that you have in your hand? It doesn't make a difference if it's going to be comfortable or convenient, right? So let's look here at Luke 16, right? Because it's in your hand, right? It's in your hand. And we're going to break down something in here in a few minutes, and you'll see. We're looking around for what we already have, right? We're looking around for what we already have. Like God is shocked that you're in the situation you're in. <laughs> like He's shocked. He's like, oh, wow, didn't think of this one. Holy Spirit, I'm about to fire you. How come you didn't think of this? God ain't doing that. They done thought of, uh, you can't see what he's already thought of. Because you you, you that because sometimes we get so clouded by by self. All right, so Luke sixteen, uh ten through twelve, this is uh the classic amplified version. It says, He who is faithful in a little thing, right? Now the key word there is faithful, so highlight that if you can, in a little thing. And if you if you got your phone, right, then uh just uh You know, if you can highlight it, highlight it. If not, just write it in your notes, right? Because we're going to focus on faithful. And then we'll focus on what? A very little thing, right? This says very little thing, right? So that's pretty small, right? It says, "But he that is faithful, full of faith in a very little thing, is faithful also on much. He that is, now it didn't say unfaithful. It said this. It says, he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing. So there's something that we have to do with very little things that is just and honest, right? That 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 brings value to the little thing, right? It says uh is unjust and just in a very little thing, and it's dishonest and unjust it also in much. Therefore, if you have not been, keyword again, faithful. In the case of unrighteous man, and this is saying deceitful riches. So now it's saying the little things are deceitful riches. Now, 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 I I know when you see the word deceitful, that's an evil connotation to it, right? But it's saying it's deceptive, right? It's deceptive because it could tell you you have what you need, but it really is the catalyst for you to get what you need. See, so that's why people hold on to it, right? They hold on to it because they think, this is all I need. Not knowing that they're supposed to give it away to get what they need. Right? Now, keep that in mind because, again, I know everybody thinking about money, and I know this talks about unrighteous mammon and money too. But I'm going to show you whatever you put in there that you have in your hand, you'll see how sometimes it's deceitful because it's, it's playing a trick on our mind. It's telling us this is all you, you need. Just hold on to it. Hold on to it. You'll be fine. But how does that work for us? Right? All these things that we thought that we could hold on to. How's that? All right? All right. So, right? It says the unrighteous man. And it says deceitful riches. Now, this says money and possessions. Okay? So, so we're going to focus on money and possessions here. It says, who will entrust to you the true riches? So, the goal is to get to what? The true riches, right, not to just hold on to the very little thing. But it's deceitful. It doesn't seem like a very little thing, does it? It seems like it's all we need, right? It says, and, and if you have not proved again, look, it's here again, faithful in that which belongs to another. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now it's getting deep. It's saying this very little thing that I have that I think is mine belongs to another. And somebody else has what belongs to me. So if I'm holding on what belongs to another, because deceitfully I'm thinking it's mine. And so it can't nourish me, it can't fulfill me because it's designed for me to release it on to benefit someone else. So, it releases my true riches to benefit me. You see that? You got that so far? You still with me? Nobody left, right? Work with me here. Don't get, nobody. you don't have to do nothing, but be obedient. All right, look, look. All right, so it says, uh, that which belongs to another, whether God or man. So, some things belong to God. What's What's in your hand? And some things belong to man, Right? who will give to you that which is your own? That is the true riches, right? You see that in the scripture, right? Now, I I know I read classic Amplified for that reason, so you can see that. So when we go forward, we're all on the same page. Now, just because faithful was highlighted so much, let's look at this. Faithful means to, is, is properly appropriating something. Now, I know somebody sitting there going, what you, are what you talking about, Pastor? About appro- what do you mean by appropriating? So that's devote to a special purpose. So when I'm faithful, I'm properly, right? You see what I'm saying? I'm devoting something to a special purpose. So now what I see is little and what, what I want to lord or hoard, I see it's supposed to be devoted to a special purpose. What is the special purpose? to release the true riches, right? I give it to God, I give it to man and release the true riches. See, that's why that prophet said to the woman, make me a cake first. He says, you think that whole cake is for you and your son. No, 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 you need to devote this very little thing for a special purpose, which was for me, you are gonna get the true riches, right? That's why he said make me a cake first. Remember, the two, the two fish in the loaves, and the five loaves, small might think, hey, that boy probably was thinking, hey, I'm good. I don't know how y'all gonna eat. <laughs> I'm straight. But it wasn't for him, it was for them, right? It had to be devoted what? To a special purpose, right? Peter's boat, they went. They was toiling all night for fish because that's what boats are used for. And they think we got what we need. We got our boat. We just keep going out here like some of us do. We have what we think we need, and we keep trying to apply it, and we're not getting the results. We toiled all night, and we're professionals at it. We've studied at it. We've researched at it and we're still not getting the results because we're not using it for its special purpose. Now, they bought the boat for what? Fishing. Their profession was what? Fishermen. They had went out and toiled for what? Fish. Jesus comes and used the boat for a platform to ministry. He said, hey, let me use your boat, and they launched it out into the water so, he, so his voice could amplify off of, off, of, off of the water because they didn't have microphones. So, I mean, somebody could have been sitting there, like, listen, minute, we ain't got no time to be giving you no boat to be preaching. Man, we, we, ain't, we, ain't, we, ain't made it. we ain't caught nothing. But they gave it for what it was purpose, the special purpose it was for. Basically, Jesus said, what you got? Got a boat. Hey, that'll work. We'll use that. And then he said, oh, by the way, Go on and launch out into the deep. They thought like they thought before and went out with a boat and a net. The net broke. They had to call other people to help. It filled up all the boats. Actually, if they were smart, they would have called everybody anywhere with all of their boats. They still was limited, went out with limited. They would not have had to fish for the rest of their lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? But all because what? They gave up what was in their hand. Got past their own understanding. Because there's nothing in their mind that said, we're going to go back out into the deep? That we already went out? But no, they wasn't going out the same way. They was going out after they had seek ye first the kingdom of God, after they had gave what they had in their hand to God. And to assist a man. Okay? You got me here? See... We have something in our hand. You know, Peter had the boat. The boy had the fish. Uh, the young lady had the cake. Christ had his life. That's what he had in his hand, his life. He gave that so we would have life. But what you would say, well, he just, he, that's wonderful. He did his job. He don't operate like, operate like us. He didn't want true riches. He got true riches. All power was given to him in heaven and earth. The Bible says he endured the cross because of the glory that was set before him. He had incentive too. He saw past the cross to the crown, right? Now you have us. If we don't have anything, we have our lives. Romans 12:1. present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Hold on, hold on. Which is your reasonable service. The least you can do. The little thing you can do. The little thing you could be faithful with is to give our lives to the Lord. Man, we give, Lord, uh, honorable mentions and considerations. We live our life the way we want to, and we give God our leftovers. That's why we forget about the things in the kingdom, because they don't really mean that that as much to us. And that's not me putting nobody down. It's, It's the kingdom is to assist us in comforting ourselves, not... We love God and we want to give ourselves to the kingdom. That's why we get caught up in, in, in uh, uh, let the, the blessings overtake us. All right, so, so we have our life to give, right? That's what we have in our hand, right? That's our, because um, all we have is our precious seed, right? That's our precious seed. The true riches on the other side of us releasing our precious seed. Let's go here in Psalms 126 right? Psalms 126. Because it's something that's precious to you, it costs you something, right? When it's really precious. So Psalm 126. It costs you something. It's not at your convenience. It's not an honorable mention. It's not leftovers. You know, back coming up, don't get mad if you're watching this. You know, there's different people that sold drugs and stuff like that, you know, they have money. And they will, you know, they, you know some people will say they fam, they would give you stuff, Right? But they was giving out a surplus of how they exploited other people's lives. They, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, we giving you my last. You know, it wasn't like the widow's mite or anything. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's out of convenience. It didn't cost. It didn't, it, they didn't feel nothing. Right? So, it cost us something, right? Remember what David said? Man, I don't want anything that hasn't cost me anything. Somebody went and got him a drink of water. He wouldn't take the drink. Most of us jumped all on that because we thirsty. Whether he was thirsty or not, he's like, no, this thing cost me, it cost y'all. Y'all would have been better off. I, I would rather off y'all drink it. Cause y'all don't want it. y'all went through a whole army to get me a drink. But it didn't cost me anything. I'm chilling. All right? You got me? Alright, so so uh let me see if I got this in here. When the Lord again brought again Okay. When the Lord uh, brought back, that's how you where? 126, uh, one and two, but we'll just read through, through the whole thing. It's not that many, right? Let me make sure I have it this right. All right, I'll just read it from the Bible instead of my tablet here. It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Key point, we were like them that dream. When our captivity was turned, right? It says, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our our tongue with singing. That's a message coming up. Y'all going to love that one. "Uh, Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done what? Great things for them. Who's saying this? The heathen. So how do they know they're doing great things? They're saying it. There's some manifestation going on, right? They don't have to open their mouth, right? You see that? The Lord has done great things for us, right? Whereof we are what? Glad. He says, turn again. Now, that this is a request. Yeah, we talked about this this morning. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. Look, now there's a breakdown here. They that sow, they're releasing something, right? Sow in tears shall reap in joy. It says, he that goeth forth weeping, bearing what? Precious seed shall doubtless, without a doubt, Come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So it's saying person showed up with a seed, came back with sheaves. It says doubtless. But they had to what? Give what they had in their hand, which was what? That precious seed, right? So are we releasing what's in our hands, right? To be offered for the master's use. Are we releasing what's in our hands to be offered for the master's use? See, God wants to see the treasure hidden in us to be revealed in the earth on a brilliant display. So God wants to see this treasure he's placed in us to be revealed brilliantly, but we have to give what he gave us, present ourselves a living sacrifice, offer ourselves, but not, this is the thing, when somebody commits themselves to you, okay, so I'm married to that wonderful woman back there, Pastor Melanie Bradley, right, uh, Mer- Melanie Marie Bradley, why I'm so fortunate. Okay, I committed to her, okay? So, again, y'all know we got engaged in five months, got married in 10. All right, so it wasn't about convenience. So, so and actually, backdrop, I gave what I had. I mean, I was starting my life completely over, so, I, you know, I mean, uh, I got her her ring. Uh, could I say how I got the first ring? Yeah, so I just got it from a pawn shop. So I'm doing whatever I can, you know, we, we, we get married, you know, the, the, uh, the jacket I got cause I was working at J uh, C JCPenney. So I got that at the jewelry spot, you know, just telling you all my business. Right. Right. But I'm saying, Hey, is what I have in my hand. See, again, I gave what I had, you know, uh, and I'm all in now. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm all in, but, but this is the thing. And I remember her father was like, he don't even have a house. And he's thirty years old, but but the first she talked to her father on the phone, said, "Let me talk to him." But I wasn't like, "Let me talk," let me tell you. something. I was just as, as respectful as I could. And this is what I told him: I said, "Oh, oh well, no, sir, I'm not this, this, this. I'm not playing around here." I said, "Your daughter's gonna want for nothing." But but I wasn't talking trash. I was committed, and I knew I was starting my life completely. It's not like I never had nothing. I was, I. I had to give, look, look. I had to give up what I was holding on to, what what I thought was going to keep me comfortable. Oh Lord Jesus Christ! If I didn't give up all that stuff that and leave behind all that stuff, I would not have married her. i was still in New Jersey. I love Newark, New Jersey, but I had to give up what I was familiar with, what was in my hands, under my control, to get what God had for me. On the other side of that was meeting her. Then we, we I, I, spent a, I spent 17 years uh, in Newark. Well, 29 total, but I'm saying like in the foster home and stuff like that. Okay, then we grew up in a church for 18 years. I had to give that up what I was in my hand for, to be this one of, with all these wonderful people in Charlotte, North Carolina. Do you understand what I'm saying? I had to, it wasn't about my convenience. It wasn't about my, listen, when I first started working for the church in, o, in Ohio, I was a certified employee with the state of Ohio. I could not be fired. Moving up the ladder. Moving up the, the, the ladder. Like, I was getting raises just because I had a uniform. Because it was a union. It'd be like, uh, you got a uniform raised. You got a, uh, what is it? Uh, what was those raises? get crisis? No, it was because of the stress of the job, whatever that was. Well, I was getting raises for that, because we worked in maximum security for youth. So, so I'm minding my business. No merit at all. I'm getting raises. So financially, I'm doing pretty good. I started working for the church at 30000 dollars a year. Like, like, I remember a guy came in, he was like a, a he wasn't even in management like I was. He's like, I thought I made about seventy-two. dollars like, he was just, like, you know, what do you call him, a youth worker or whatever. I'm like, man, like, <laughs> I'm only here hit with 30. But I gave up some things for what God had. And I see things totally different, even now. It's, it's definitely not about the salary, trust me. But I see things, right? What, what do you have in your hand, right? What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? You know God can use it. Are we robbing God from having a prosperous place in our life? That's why that scripture says, "Sell a man, rob God." In Malachi three. Before I start talking about tithes and offering, it's not about taking something from you. It's about getting something to you, pouring out a blessing. You don't have room enough to receive. Rebuking the devourer for your sake, right? You know, all that stuff is about that. Look, the scripture says you give up mother's, father's, houses, everything for the Lord, it says, you shall receive a hundredfold. Let's go to uh, Mark uh, 10. Yes, sir. Oh you, oh, you know that scripture, don't you? <laughs> Why you know that one? <laughs> you only know the hundredfold part. <laughs> All right, so Mark ten twenty nine. Uh, for the people watching online, because I'd like all of us to be a family here, that was Mrs. Lamar I was talking to. Yes, yeah, so everybody like, you know, because people be showing up in church like, I know you, <laughs> right? All right, so uh, Mark ten twenty nine. It says, Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left, look, house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel. It says, but he shall receive, he or she shall receive a hundredfold. Look, now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands, it says, with persecution. We talked about that in the Freight of of light, right? Look, and in the world to come, eternal life. Look, this ain't talking about what you're going to get in your mansions in heaven. This says, now in this time and eternal life. So what it's saying is when you keep the the gospel and my sake at the center, you don't lose. It's hundredfold return. When you take the very little least that you have and you give that for the gospel's sake and the kingdom's sake, when you give what's in your hand, you don't lose. But when you choke and go, man, what I look like, man, you know, I ain't doing that, you know, because I got to do this for me and stuff like that, which you you don't realize now what you have is is flipped into deceitful. See, it's deceitful because it's deceiving you that it's going to be enough. When you don't realize, it's your opportunity to sow precious seed to get true riches, right? You see that? You know, uh, you know, so we have to ask ourselves: Have we, have we? Remember, like with Cain and uh, Esau? Was it Esau? What was it Cain? Cain and Abel. I will be throwing them off. Like, all right, so Cain and Abel, right? It was about the the best. Uh, Abel gave his best, his first. You know, like before he could calculate, before he could think about himself. Now I'm giving God first. Cain gave his leftovers after he had enjoyed himself and did everything he wanted to do. He go, well, I got this, I can give you this. And so God didn't receive that. So, so a lot of times we wonder why are things happening around us because we ain't giving God our best. We're giving God our leftovers after we've consumed what we want, right? So have we offered our first fruit? Have we offered, as we talked about in Exodus 13, the first that broke the matrix. The first that broke out of the womb is what they said. Remember, say said offer the first that breaks the matrix. Uh, last week, Mr. Lamar talked about he had been uh, uh, hoarding his creativity. That's what I said. He didn't say hoarding. But, but as you say, he's like, I'm not even using it. You know, I'm just, I'm just saving it for something. Uh, Vanessa was talking about, you know, I don't know if Vanessa was talking about it, but it hit me. But offering that chess, playing chess. You know, like you know, her default is to protect yourself by playing chess, okay, you almost got me there, you almost got me there, but what about this? You thought about this, this, that, and the other, as opposed to, no, I'm not gonna protect myself. I'm gonna I'm offer, I'm gonna give up my security system, my protective service and trust that God will protect and cover me, right? Offering our overtime, offering our manipulation, offering our philosophies, often our protective custody, right? Have we released what's really in our hand? What's really, see, that's why God didn't say it to everybody, but he said it to the rich young ruler. He said, you know, sell all that you have and give to the poor. That wasn't, everybody needs to do that because that's not what everybody has in their hand or their heart. That's what the rich young ruler had in his heart. That was what he needed to do. He needed to offer that to get what God has for him. Some of us, We have great possessions in that other list. Could be manipulation, could be control, could be our hustle, right? Could be our supposed intellect, right? It could be our stuff, right? In some cases, it could be our family, right? Family was included in Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Some of our family is more of an idol than uh, than God, than, than for us to love God. We put family before God, right? All right, so so, so when, 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 when it's talking about what you have in your hand. So, so the word hand in general, it means uh, strength, power, and protection. What's that you have in your strength? What's that you have in your power? And what's that you have uh, that you utilize and that's your protection? But at the same time, it can mean uh, uh, generosity, hospitality, and stability. What that did, did you have you could be generous with, hospitable with, or what's facilitating your stability, right? So... What's in your hand is what's in your power. That's why the Bible says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you guys think according to what? The power that worketh in you. According to what you have in you that's in your hand, in your power, that you can release to God. I can take that and do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Now, if you don't allow me by giving it to me, if you hold on to it, it's going to convert into deceitful riches. You're going to think what you're lording or holding on to is your ticket to get where you're going. No, what you give to me is what's going to facilitate the true riches. Now, some of us, you know, we get around situations, you work for the job, You got plenty of ideas you like, but you're almost learning the company so you could do your own thing. But you ain't giving them the best of you. You're not helping them to prosper. You're not releasing what you have on the inside. Because you think once I do go do my own thing, and then when you go do your own thing, you you wonder why it just doesn't work. Well, it's not going to work because you just hired a bunch of people like you. They sitting around holding on to their stuff, waiting to do their own thing. You know, you, you come to a ministry and you're like, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm just going to extract all I can so when I do my own thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this for when it's my time. And then you're like, I don't understand why, why is this not working. It's not working because you've got a bunch of people in, around you that's thinking about themselves too. That's, duh. Imagine if me and Pastor Mel was like that. The reason why we're empowering is because whatever's in our hand, we giving it up. We giving it up in a moment. Like I could be sitting around somebody never taught something ever in my life and be talking about it. That person goes to, you know, they can go back to their school. They can go back to such and such, have a little platform. There's some people that have platforms and they'd be breaking it down. But it was the conversation we had. Nobody heard it. Right. But I gave up what was in my hand. The person benefited from it. Who cares? But we don't do that. we like, ah, oh, this is precious, precious. <laughs> Some people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> precious. Right? We're just holding on to it, right? Won't, don't want to let go of the ring, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know I slipped a little Lord of the Rings in there. My bad. <laughs> uh, right? so what's in our hands, right? God's saying this, look, sometimes we're holding on to the suffering. Just drinking on it, right? You know, you know, I, just, you know I just, you know, like we're just, just, just basking in the thing. You know, was self-loathing, right? But the Bible says the sufferings of this present time are worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. God said, I can take that suffering. I can use that too. I can convert that into glory. But if you hold on to it, just so you can get the attention. Like, come on, y'all, work with me now. We we're family, right? Some people be using the suffering to because their whole life they just like attention, right? Some some people can turn on the tears. I ain't ask you to raise your hand like I did last week. You know, y'all want your brothers and sisters going, man. I thought that wasn't the, right. What you all saying? Some people can turn. Y'all, y'all know some, some some people here they just haven't been hired as actors, but people can turn on the tears right? Good. Y'all give me some good responses before I start using the prophetic gifts, right? So this what I'm saying is what that is. People are used to attention. You know, when you were young, somebody always responded. It wasn't your fault. It's like you start crying and oh, my baby, my baby. And after a while you go, hey, I like this. Then you get older and you still expecting you know, to start crying and stuff like that, people respond. Then when somebody goes, what's wrong with you? You know, now they're tripping. Right? Because you're like, no, 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 no. I've I mastered this. This is the time where I get attention because, you know, it's been a funky day and I need some attention. Right? Right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create some drama. And then y'all respond to me. Oh, you okay? You all right? You know, right? But, but God's saying, said, Okay. This is not going to work for you in the long run. You're not going to get true riches out of that. Why don't you give me that? I can convert that into glory. Now you will get intention because my glory is on you, which is more genuine than you, like, hustling people, get, trying to do the sympathy hustle, okay? So God's saying I, I can take, I can use your suffering. He's saying I can use your test. test. Count it all joy when you fall into the diapository temptation. Knowing this, trying to be faithful, it's patience. That patience have its perfect work. you be... Perfect and entire, like a nothing. He said, "I can use the test. Give it to me. I can convert that into your good. So I can use your suffering. I can use your test. I can use your weakness." Paul said, "I besought the Lord thrice. Let this cup pass from me." He said, "No, no, 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 no." He says, "He says, in your weakness, I'm strong." He says, "Through the abundance of revelation that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, above me." He says, "He says." He says, so therefore I glory in infirmities and, and, and necessities and things like that because when I'm weak, he's strong. long as I give my weakness to him. I don't front like, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, I'm not. Right? So he's saying I can use the weakness, right? Basically, God's saying I can use whatever you give me. That's why he says, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. God's saying he can use all that. He's just saying, give me what you have in your hand. Right? Let's go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. You getting something out of this today? Isaiah 45, and we'll lock in here on verse 2. Isaiah 45, 2, it says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut asunder under the bars of heaven. Now, one of my songs to change my life is Straighten My Life Out Again by The Winans. Um, and you know, the lyric goes, you can make a crooked straight. In the middle of a desert, you can spring a well. All I'm asking you to do is to straighten my life out again. But, but as I was reading through the scripture, I thought about that. God is saying, I can take your crooked life, too. I can do something with that. <laughs> it's, I can just give it, just give it. See, when, when the scripture says come as you are, it's similar to saying, it's in your hand. Just give me what's in your hand. I can work with that. See, we're looking for so much extra when we have what we need. We just need to offer it to God, right? Present ourselves as a living sacrifice, right? Right, well, I was thinking through, as I was meditating on this, I was thinking Uh, Karen had a vision, and in the vision, she saw people walking around with cover over their heads, uh, moving forward but in the same place, like running in quicksand. And, you know, and I thought about, you know, they're covering up what they're supposed to expose, what they're supposed to offer to God, all right? You know, because what's not exposed can't be helped, right? And I I was thinking of that, and then then, uh, I was meditating one day, and God was talking to me about true worth, true worth. Y'all you know, know we're talking about true riches, but true worth. And God told me, he says, uh, uh, Keith, you're about to see your true worth. He says, I'm about to resurrect the hidden treasures I've placed in you. And I just thought this was so fitting because the Bible says you have treasures hidden in an earthen vessel. So we have what we need hidden, but but there's a place where God wants to use that and brilliantly display it. He wants to convert it into true riches. And so so, so basically... God is telling us, don't get weary in offering what's in our, our hands by faith. The scripture says, don't, don't get weary in well-doing. Because if you think about even in the, in the, in the, uh, the wilderness that they was going through, okay, God gives us manna. You know, they kept being, you know, you think about there was always in situations like Moses in situations where, where God would use him, but everything was by faith. You know, everything was my faith. He would use the mouth. He would use the rod. He would use, like, he was working with what was there. You know, even Jesus, uh, well, we had to pay taxes. I go to the water, there's a fish in the water, and the fish will have the money for the taxes. Like, you know, the, the, uh, oh, everybody hungry? What do we have? Like, how come Jesus didn't say, hold on, I'll call, he didn't call down nothing first. What do we have to use? Because I already know in the, uh, in the beginning, God said it was a finish. So if there's a need here, God already put what's needed to supply the need. So what's already in our hand? We're in church. If there's something we believe for, it could be more people. Well, we, we already got what we need there. We got a bunch of people that know people, right? Just need to evangelize the people that they know, right? Everybody speak to one people, person, right? Everybody just invited one person, church doubles. Everybody invited two people to church triples. Ain't that simple? If everybody had a two person responsibility, is that a lot of people? You know more than two people, don't you? But that's even less than the five and five principle, ain't it? Right? Survival kid, I just start slip a little survival kid in there, right? Right? Does that make sense? All right, so, so, so God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight on a daily basis now let's read Hebrews ten thirty-two through 36 now I'm going to give you a couple thoughts uh, that was inspired uh, by Pastor Melanie and then we can close out for today Hebrews ten thirty-two through 36 and I'm reading out of the message version the message version. It says, oh, this is powerful. It says, remember those early days after you first saw the light. So I'll stop right there for a second. So, you know, you come out of darkness, into the marvelous light. Remember, there's a level of zeal. There's a a relief, you know, like it's a monkey not on my back, right? (laughs) You know, so you have a, you know, you kind of, you probably do a little more evangelizing then because you're just so excited, like, you know? And then this, you're not really worried about what people think, you're just like excited that I'm in, you know? Gee, I remember I first said, Jesus, man, I'm just living for Jesus now, Jesus, Jesus. Everything was Jesus, talking to people. I was like, no, nah, I'm not really doing that because I'm living for Jesus. No, I'm not doing that, and I'm still like playing with like top basketball teams and stuff like that. I'm like, no, nah, I don't drink no more. You know, I'm just living for Jesus. Like, like everything was Jesus, you know, <laughs> like Jesus. You know, so, so this is what they're saying. Remember those days when you first, after you first saw the light. Those were hard times. Kicked around in public. Targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you. Other days it was your friends, right? Sometimes you abuse yourself and sometimes your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile. I was in that situation. Somebody stole, like, I had a stack of quarters. This young man came to visit me. I went to the restroom, came back. All my quarters were gone. Like, I used to save quarters, like, a lot of money. And I went to go get him, and I was like, well, if he needed it that bad, he could have it. Because you know why? I had just got serious about Jesus. Like, my whole attitude was different about everything. Right? Messed up my check. I was like, got to work it out. End up getting more on the check. Didn't go... Breaking the office back in the day. Like, hold on, y'all got it twisted up in here. Somebody going to fix this before we leave today. I ain't even do that. I was just like, it's cool. They'll work it out. And it got worked out better, right? So it says, uh, you let them go with a smile, knowing that they couldn't touch your real treasure. It says, nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promise completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. So, it's saying like if we're rolling with God, we're rolling with God. What's changed? It's still, it's still a sure thing. The circumstances don't mean it's not sure. The circumstance is testing, will you believe me regardless? Will you continue to offer what's in your hand regardless of the circumstance? Right? that's when we'll experience supernatural restoration, right? See, our greatest offer is our design. Our greatest offer is our design. Think about the rod and what it really represents. This is what it really represents. I can do anything with seemingly nothing. Because if you think about it, that's a stick. And for all relative purpose, you pick up a stick, there's limited use. Like if you, how many sticks we walk by every day? Like we don't stop the car. Hey, grab that stick. <laughs> you, know, you know, like if you, if you think it's money in the, in the street, you know how you like turn around, play it off, wait till all the cars drive by and go out check. Find out ain't no money. Right, you know, right. But you think it's valuable, right? If you see something shining, like that could be a diamond, right? Eh! You do that for sticks? No, right? Because it seemingly has what? No value, right? It seemingly what? There's nothing. I can't really do anything with that. Why go pick it up? Right? But that's what stick represents. I can do anything with seemingly nothing. That's why he used the rod. What's that you have in your hand? Seems like it's nothing. Oh, but I could do a lot with that. So it seems like you have nothing. But God said, ooh, I can do a lot with that if you give it to me. Right? Uh, Pastor Mel said this. She said, we have to give back what God has given us. We have to give back what God has given us. We have to give back what God has given us. It's a treasure stored in there. We got to give it up. Pastor Mel also said this. He says, when we release it, he breathes on it and it becomes a blessing. When we release it, he breathes on it, and it becomes a blessing. And the last thing she said was this. It's less than what it really is until we give it to him. It's less than what it really is. See, it's deceitful riches. It's less than what it really is until we give it to him. Why are we uh, spending time in the last couple of weeks talking about this message is because There's timing for things. There's timing, that's why this year is supernatural restoration. That's why we're coming to the halfway point of this particular year. Uh, The Bible says, uh, let's, let's look here at Psalm 102. This should be my last scripture. I think we'll read Psalm 102. Psalm 102, 13. It says, thou shall arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time has come. The set time has come. So there's a set time. You know, don't be too busy paying attention that you don't realize the window what God is doing. And don't, don't, don't let the adversary trick us to uh, use up the, seed, the seeds that we're supposed to be offering to God. Right? Uh, you know, there's a, there's, you know, all creation's waiting for the manifestation of the sons, the sons of God, waiting for us to actually uh, manifest in some things. I shared this with you before, I got it from Mike Murdoch. God hides the greatest treasures in the most flawed vessels to reward those who discern it, who recognize what God is doing. All right, so that's, that's all for today, and it's in your hand. Hopefully, that challenged you, stimulated you, made you think about some things. Uh let's, uh, uh let's hear what's on your hearts, would you guys, you know, let's hear some of the seeds you have that you can express that can impact peoples. Uh, so if you have a thought in-house, you can go to the mics, there's another mic coming. And online, if you want to call in, you can call in, just put your phone on mute, call in to the call-in number at the bottom of the screen. If not, you can type in your chat just some of the thoughts. Or, some of the realizations, how you was inspired, uh, what it made you think about, or any questions you may have. Um, Any thoughts or insights either online or in the house?